yeah, I think we're all here. Um, as people filter in, um, we'll have them pop into the chat. Um, but feel free to go ahead and introduce yourself and get started. Um, yeah, my name is Casey. I'm a barista up here in Buffalo um, on the organizing committee. Um, so thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. I'll pass it to Beto or Lakota. I'm not sure. They're... Uh, hi, uh, I'm, I'm Beto Sanchez. I am one of the committee uh, organizing members here at Memphis, and I, uh, I'm also here to help out with any other stores and also, uh, uh, I guess, uh, <laughs> well, no, that's about it. I'm just part of the organizing union and also Starbucks, former worker that was fired. Hi, and I'm Lakota McGlawn. I'm also one of the organizing members of the committee down here in Memphis, along with one of the other uh, seven that got fired uh, just two weeks ago. And it feels like it's been a long time since then. So yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. So um, it sounds like this is still a developing story. Um, could you give us a little bit of insight into how everything got started? I would say for our committee, um, our two of the ones that started um, bringing it up to other baristas in our store were Beto and Nikki. It had just been float uh, been an idea that had been floating around, and then uh, even just a couple weeks before we um, put out our first letter to the community uh, was when we had really had the talk start going or uh, it started get, coming in stronger. And uh, we had even been considering unionizing all the way back into December. And then once we went high key public was when we had an investigation started against us and ultimately we were terminated. Yeah, um, uh, the campaign in Buffalo started up here. I would say, uh, well, I think the history goes back a little bit longer because um, up here in Buffalo, uh, one of the first baristas union in the country was not the first, but one of one of the, the beginning ones was Spot Coffee, which is a local coffee chain up here. And they organized with Workers United in 2019 and inspired a lot of Starbucks baristas to do the same. And then the pandemic happened, and I think it just tightened a lot of the issues that people were seeing in terms of a lack of care for, you know, worker safety and really not having a voice in our working conditions. And we were called essential workers throughout the pandemic, but really not given the working conditions or respect or dignity, really, that, you know, the word essential calls for. So I think uh, people who had been connected to the spot workers and, and who had known Richard Bensinger uh, kind of started poking around and seeing if people were interested. And I know I actually was picking up a shift when I first heard about the union effort and someone had said, you know, are you interested in organizing? Like, what do you think about a, a union at Starbucks? And at first I was like, a union, like for baristas, like, I don't, I've never really heard about that. Like, can we do that? Like, and people were like, yeah. And as the, the more I learned about it, the more um, excited I was to get involved. And, 
you know, we formed our organizing committee at the end of August, started with 50 people. Now it's over um, 100 people in Buffalo. And of course, we've now spread to over 100 stores around the country. So not what we expected at all, but very um, inspiring to have folks like uh, Lakota and Beto join us and just keep the movement growing. Um, so yeah, here we are. feels like the movement kind of exploded overnight. Um, at least that's my sense just from the headlines. Um, what kind of organizing did you do between stores or regions or Starbucks crews to get the word out and kind of feel people um, out about unionizing? Lakota or Bader, do you want to talk about kind of how you guys got involved? Because I think it's kind of a good example of how oh. things have been spreading. Yes, definitely. I can talk about that because uh, I guess the things that we have been going through, unfortunately, were never new in any other store. I mean, it's the same things that's going on in a lot of stores. You know, it's the very dangerous work conditions that they have us in. It's the very heavy disregard to COVID safety and health safety for the workers around us. And at this point, uh, speaking for myself and the rest of the committee here in Memphis, uh, we kept a close eye on what was happening in Buffalo and all the things that Starbucks were doing against them, like the very disinformed, the, the misinformed uh, things that they're saying, oh, you'll lose benefits. Oh, you'll lose this if you unionize. And to no surprise, uh, corporate used those same tactics against us when we started reaching the climax of our unionization efforts. And I guess it's what, I guess it's something that we had that Buffalo didn't really have. We were actually kind of expecting those uh, tactics to happen. And I guess we were a little bit more prepared, but I guess, um, I guess specifically for Memphis, Memphis has been a, a union city for a very long time. We've had a lot of historic movements uh, in recent history, whether it was the Kellogg strike or the sanitation workers here in Memphis, led by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. himself. I mean, we've had committee members whose grandparents have walked alongside Martin Luther King Jr. himself. So when everything was going on uh, between us unionizing, we, I think it was on Martin Luther King Jr. days when we launched, because I remember specifically seeing a tweet from the Starbucks Twitter account that was using a quote from Martin Luther King in a very marketing style that we thought was very disrespectful and disgusting at that point. And we decided to launch on Martin Luther King Jr. Day in Memphis in a city that's known for its union workers. And I, to be honest, it felt like the stars aligned for us and we're kind of out here trying to fight for the same things that I guess Buffalo and many, many other stores are fighting for. Yeah, I mean, Beto said it perfectly. I think, you know, people, what we've seen is that we just get people reaching out, whether that's through email or social media or however ways through a lot of, um, that's the one thing that Starbucks is really good at is, you know, building this culture of people who feel, you know, solidarity with each other. So, you know, partners from across the country um, know each other and have just been reaching out and it's been really kind of organic we haven't done honestly much in terms of outreach it's really been people reaching out to us um and it's really been a partner and partner is what um 
Starbucks calls workers, but it's really been a partner department partner movement of um, fellow workers helping other workers um, kind of go through the process of organizing and knowing what to expect with Starbucks's union busting. And we have a lot of help from Workers United, but it's it's really been driven by the workers, which has been really um, inspiring to be a part of. The only way to do it, worker power. Uh, could you maybe go into some of the details of what the issues were, um, even pre-COVID and during COVID, that um, workers were concerned about and wanted to address and didn't um, maybe have other uh, recourses for that inspired unionization? Uh, definitely. Uh, I can go ahead and say something that can be shared across many stores. Uh, it's definitely... Uh, a lot of issues internally, whether it's training, whether it's coverage, whether it's scheduling, whether it's staffing, whether it's not being compensated for having to do three other people's jobs. And I thought, and it's also the lack of training as well. That's one of the biggest things that they were trying to pin on us when we all got fired, blaming it on, oh, you've had prior training. You know, you should have known this. We didn't. Our, unfortunately, our store itself had to run uh, on with shift supervisors, we didn't have managers for the longest time. And only Amy Holden, our, one of our best managers, was the only one that kind of trained them as much as she could before she ended up having to quit. Uh, it's unfortunately something that's shared across a lot of stores, especially in Starbucks. They don't give a lot of focus to training. So you're already there as a new hire thrown into a very chaotic environment, a very stressful environment with very little training. And that chaos is shared with uh, people that are supposed to be training you as well. As a shift supervisor, it's been times where not only is the district manager refusing to close channels and we're already short staffed, not only is it that I all of a sudden have this new person thrown in for me to train while I'm also working, not only am I not getting compensated for any single part of it, but it's also a bad experience for everyone that's involved. And that's something that we're looking forward to change that we know has been needed for a while. It's something that Starbucks itself has been wanting to, I guess, improve, but just never put any, anything behind it. And it's something that's affecting a lot of stores. And they're wondering why the turnover rate is incredibly high. It's because once a person is involved in such a stressful environment, they really don't want to return. And I don't blame them, unfortunately. Uh, it leads to us having to teach ourselves how to do things. And that leads to us not knowing the full liability for all these quote unquote policy violations that uh, my store specifically had people fired for. I mean, we had to literally have our own partners ask multiple times to our district manager that, Hey, can I get my training now? <laughs> they would never either find us the time to train. They would never assign us the my learning like the online training for us we were just expected to run a full store as if we were fully staffed as if we were fully trained and then being punished for it as well and it's something that i feel like we shouldn't even have to ask for which is proper training and that's something that i think is shared across a lot of the stores as well as the staffing and scheduling issues at this point um, when they trained us for shift supervising, they tell us, you know, oh, you're supposed to have this many people on the floor, or you're supposed to reach these metrics, but we never even get to reach those metrics anywhere close because we're already running 
are having four people doing 10 people's jobs. So it's never even a fair chance to begin with. Um, that's, I guess, the most that I can think of. <laughs> I think another big one that we had was dealing with um, safety, uh, especially with the health of our partners. We would have instances uh, where we would be exposed to partners who had COVID and still uh, be asked to work. Uh, there was even one instance where somebody was, uh, they were in the middle of transi transitioning jobs. So they were leaving Starbucks and then starting their new one. They had gotten exposed um, at their at their new job and showing symptoms. Uh, they texted our proxy manager asking or and telling her, hey, I'm showing symptoms, but um, I was exposed at my old, or at my new job. And uh, she told uh, told them that they still had to work uh, despite being exposed and showing symptoms because it was at their other job. Um, there was even an instance where I was uh, vomiting uh, and on the clock and my manager still asked me to just stay in the back and do money later rather than just uh, sending me home because she had me text other people asking if they could uh, finish my shift for me. They said no because they were unavailable and just ex still expected me to finish out my shift rather than just going ahead and closing the store early even if she couldn't find anyone else. Yeah, exactly. It's just a lot of things where corporate or corporate leaders decide to pick and choose when to enforce certain policies that their own managers would break. I mean, our own district manager and store manager would not be following the dress code that they would enforce on us. They wouldn't be following the COVID procedures that we were supposed to be following. Even with the COVID check-in, which is, I, I believe, like it goes beyond Starbucks policy. That's like a health policy thing, uh, they wouldn't even follow their own COVID check-in policies, which is pretty uh, important. That COVID check-in is specifically for, you know, if there's an incident, it'll t it's a log to see who was at the store exactly when and exactly at what time. And if the managers aren't even following their own procedures, but then and deciding when to enforce those types of policies on us, which conveniently was when we decided to start unionizing then that's when they decide to skip every single step of discipline and I guess uh yeah I guess this one they went straight from so they went straight to termination they didn't give us any coaching no training no correctional no write-ups nothing just straight to a termination and that's something that I think I would like to be able to fight for with all of this is to be able to uh, push back against that and at least holding them accountable to their own rules. Accountability is huge. Um, it's very important to me personally, and I know a lot of people on the line too. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of your issues sound very familiar <laughs> as well. Um, Starbucks has had a reputation with the public of being a uh, more woke, um, I'm building off Robin Booker's question in the chat, um, uh, facade to the public. Um, how does it feel to see 
the duality of the public facing company versus the internal workings of uh, working for a corporate uh, monolith that is Starbucks? Uh, unfortunately, uh, it's kind of a big slap to the face whenever uh, it's this company protects its image more than it protects its workers. And that's been very obvious. Even when all this is going on, the most that they want to talk about is promoting, you know, stupid drinks or wanting to give very uh, weak uh, statements about it. If anything, it's the timing that's that was important in all of this. All of these uh, policy violations that they accused on us uh, were all it's it's something that was never really enforced most of the time. For instance, and this is on a legal document on my termination paper, I was terminate for one of the reasons being that I entered the back of house while off duty, which was never, ever an issue for years at this company. But of course, whenever I'm deciding to organize a union, that's when they decide to enforce that and specifically on me because there's many managers that have broken that made up policy. It's, it's unfortunately, there are other companies out there that are at least honest that they don't care about their workers. But the worst part about Starbucks is that they pretend they decide to maintain this facade that they're progressive, that they offer better benefits than any other thing, but they treat us just as badly. They don't give us the same dignity uh, that we deserve. And instead they like to cover it up. And that's what is, I guess, a rude awakening to new hires whenever they're seeing the ugly part of this. Internally, uh, it's a side that not a lot of people get to see. I mean, if you go to any social media account, for Starbucks right now, all the customers that are replying are all just, you know, happy about a new drink or a new syrup or a new thing. But, you know, you never get to see what's actually happening behind the line and what's, you know, leading to, you know, baristas having to work four different people's jobs to be able to maintain metrics that should never be in place for that. Yeah, I think, um, honestly, Beto said it, and I, I don't really have much to add to that other than, you know, it's exactly right. They say that they're this progressive company, and they say that they are, you know, pro-partner, which in their terms is, is trying to say that they're pro-worker, but, you know, and when, when workers in Bessemer, Alabama were trying to organize, they didn't have Jeff Bezos come and try to talk to workers and tell them that they didn't need a union. Whereas we had Howard Schultz, who's a billionaire, come speak to hourly wage workers and talk about, I kid you not, the words crisis of capitalism literally left this man's mouth. Um, and so, you know, they, they like to say that they're pro-LGBTQ and pro-Black Lives Matter and pro-immigrant and all of these things, but you can't be all of those things and be anti-union and be against the labor movement. So um, that's that's what it goes back to what you know everybody was talking about in terms of accountability and saying you're not going to get away with this and we're um, we're going to hold you accountable to the company that you apparently say that you are. One of their um, values is um, breaking or or something along the lines of um, breaking the status quo. And we keep saying that that's exactly what we're doing. 
And that's the humorous part that I'd like to see sometimes is that Starbucks could have handled this a lot better than they are right now. They could have been a leading company by having like a nationwide unionization effort. And, and they instead decided to uh, pick performative activism with their, you know, their little uh, partner groups and whatnot, pretending that they truly care for pride partners. It's even in the terminology and the verbiage they use. They prefer to say things like we prefer to use partners because we want you to feel that we are level or equal with each other when that's very, very much not the case. They don't even use the word employees in any type of company verbiage or documents. They always use the words partners because they try to pretend that they care about us and want us on that they feel like we are approachable when it's in fact entirely the opposite. So I admit, um, when I first started reading the first couple of headlines, um, and I I saw, you know, there was some union movement for maybe a nanosecond. I thought, ooh, that could be a really good union. Not, you know, just I thought about it as like if Starbucks does the right thing. And, you know, I don't want to say allow, but um, like partners, right, with this new union, it could be a great working environment. Um, I'm a former barista from like 10 years ago. And um, I, as much as I enjoyed my time with the company, like it's not a job that you keep for, for life, right? And like my my cousins and um, that are younger than me, like when they they're looking for their first job, I kind of tell them like, eh, I don't know about Starbucks. Like I haven't really been hearing good things. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of things have changed since my time there, but um, I really wasn't surprised to see Starbucks take such a corporate um, attitude about unions. And I think that a lot of it has to do with not just the, the threat that unions pose to capitalism, but also um, they've gotten very comfortable abusing workers for a very, very, very long time, um, especially with the laws that we have in place right now. Um, I had a quick question from Avery. Um, did they fire all of the union members in Memphis? Um, and is there any kind of campaign that we can get, that we could help with? Uh, unfortunately, they uh, terminated all but one of the committee uh, members that are uh, leading the union. Uh, thankfully, our store is uh, has very good numbers that are pro-union. It's quite literally most of our store. I would almost say 90%. Um, but we were mostly all terminated, just seven of us. Uh, they tried to go for another, but luckily that didn't go anywhere. Um, and there are definitely a lot of ways that, that for support. Um, one thing that Starbucks is using against us is misinformation. Uh, the more people decide to talk about us, spread awareness about what happened and sharing it with everyone, it's getting more eyes on the subject. That's what led us to, you know, having a lot of interviewers, uh, reporters, podcasts. It's because of the community outreach. The funny thing is that Starbucks 
would always talk to us about wanting to make the moment right and to make all these personal connect- connections with customers. And the funny thing is that that's backfiring on Starbucks right now as we speak, because those same customers that would come up to get their morning coffee and see their favorite baristas, now learning that those same baristas were fired from their store, they're pissed as they should be. Right now, the best things that's been helping us to support us is definitely awareness and exposure of what Starbucks did. We also do, thankfully, through Starbucks Workers United, had a GoFundMe in place for the seven employees that were uh, terminated. And uh, thankfully, the community has been very generous and helping us out. And we do appreciate everything that's been going on. But um, until I guess we are reinstated back to the store, uh, it's only one committee member at this moment that is holding the lines there. I mean, at this point, they were thinking about turning our store to permanently drive through to kind of combat our pro-union sit-ins, which didn't go over very well because that was, uh, I guess, a field day for our local reporters because this was something that was reaching a lot of the local Memphis community. And it's also the fact that it is happening here in Memphis as well that's uh, helping us a lot. We've had a lot of assistance and uh, support from very a lot of local unions here in Memphis and uh, yeah, I think that's honestly the best thing that helps us a lot uh, is exposure. Definitely. Every single time you see something from us, uh, any every single time you share it, it gets the information out there and it helps combat against Starbucks's misinformation. You mentioned a GoFundMe. Would you please um, drop the link in the chat for those of us that uh, would like to support? Yes, of course. I will definitely do that. And okay, thank, thank you, you to anyone else who does uh, donate. Um, and you also mentioned the media. Matt has a question. Um, do you feel that the media is accurately portraying, portraying, if I could speak, Jesus, um, your efforts to unionize? Uh, thankfully, it's been mostly in our favor and they have been portraying it pretty well. There are a couple... Uh, sour articles out there that try to enforce the policy thing but the important thing that we try to get out there is that why we or how we got fired is not why we got fired uh for example like if i don't really wish i could i would have to post my termination papers online but it could very clearly show you that the reasons we were terminated are not very fireable offenses every single thing that you can read in all of our terminations were very small and I would not like to use the word offenses but I guess that's what it is in this case all these things that we were fired for were things that could have easily been coached through easily been disciplined even a write-up um if anything but the funny thing is that Starbucks is using that as their number one thing with their spokesperson they keep saying oh they weren't fired for unions or for union organizing, they were fired for uh, breaking policy. Well, the funny thing about that is that uh, when they were performing that investigation on me, uh, they told me that I wasn't supposed to bring media in because that wasn't authorized by the store. I mean, do you really think that the district manager would have approved a pro-union media outlet into the store? Of course not. But of course, they allow media in the store whenever they take videos or promotional videos of drinks or this for because i mean you've seen in starbucks in the news plenty of times where they're promoting something or you know they're in trouble that there are cameras in the store but of course when 
it's involving unionization, all of a sudden it's not authorized and it's not allowed. It's it's they're making the rules for us to look like that we're breaking them. And that's one of the things that we're trying to fight for with our negotiations, that we won't have to be subject to these types of uh, uh, picking and choosing when to enforce certain policies. We'll actually be able to not only hold them accountable to these things, but also, you know, show them to the media as well that, hey, you know, <laughs> this is uh, something that's going not only in our store, but stores all across the all across the country. And thankfully, the media, especially a lot of the uh, very progressive and union union uh, strong uh, medias have been getting our story out there. And they have been, uh, I guess, putting a lot of light to this attention. If anything, our store manager and our district manager, everything that they've been doing to us is now underneath like a public eye and that has made the situation very aware. What suggestions or tips or actions would you recommend to a worker wanting to organize their workplace? Or what kind, like Avery just posted in the chat, uh, what kind of collective actions are happening at Starbucks stores around the country? And um, I guess, what would your suggestions be for best tactics to use? Uh, I will probably pass that question on to Casey because she has been, uh, she was actually the one that helped us uh, unionize. So she'll definitely have <laughs> more uh, outlook for that. Hey, you guys are helping other people unionize too. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really, like I kind of said before, in terms of um, best practices, I mean, we, you know, we've, we've learned to form really strong organizing committees. Um, and the thing is, like, these, you know, our stores are, like, pretty small stores a lot of the time. I mean, mine's about 20 partners. Most stores are anywhere from 15 to 30. I mean, you have a few stores that are like 40 or so partners, but those are pretty big ones. And I think it's the relationships that we have with each other um, that make this possible because Starbucks will bring in, you know, out-of-state managers, what they call support managers and all of these different people. And they'll pull people off the floor for one-on-ones. They'll try to use psychological manipulation. You know, we had managers in Mesa, Arizona, which was supposed to vote last week, but their ballots were impounded because of Starbucks legal delay tactics who have been pulling new partners off the floor and crying. The managers have been crying and saying, if you vote yes for the union, I'll be heartbroken. Like, how could you do this to me? Um, and so it's just being able to prepare people for that too. Um, you know, and say like, this is all hollow threats. You know, what happened with the Memphis partners? Like, we're not gonna let, like, we're not letting this company get away with that. And we're standing behind them and, and we're gonna have their, their backs. Um, but I think it's also been, you know, a lot of scary things, a lot of intimidation and, and things like that, but it's also just an incredibly exciting thing to be a part of. I think for so many of us, it's um, maybe sounds dramatic, but like, it's the first time a lot of people I think have had hope for what, you know, work can be like and what we can fight for when we stand together. So I think the, the fact that we're building this, um, Kind of national Starbucks Workers United um, organization with with Workers United and just having each other's back and standing in solidarity with with each other is just a really cool feeling and movement to be a to be a part of. So 
I don't know if that really answers the question, but that's what I've been seeing. Well, what you said, Casey, about it, like, um, for the first time, like, people, like, aren't really feeling bleak about work. It, it does, it does, it feels like it does render because there are so many times, like, when uh, I know of partners that are just, like, I almost just don't want the job anymore just because I'm so exhausted because I feel like I've been, like, literally worked to my last, like, my last will to the, the point where it's almost like they don't even want to show up anymore which it gets to a point where it's almost understandable because they still feel mistreated and they felt like disposable by this company and but with this union and because of how at least I know with definitely our store how strong and how much of a family we are there's I feel like more hope than ever for like the workers who are like basically at the bottom of the totem pole to this company. There's nothing like friendships that are forged in solidarity. Um, and it sounds like you all have a great network across your um, stores and your, and across the nation. Um, I want to say that I am extremely proud of all of the work that you have done. Um, and congratulations on the 100th Starbucks store filing for unionization. Um, this is a feat that, a movement that we have not seen in at least four decades. Um, so I'm extremely proud of you all. Thank you so much for all of the work that you have put in. Um, for coming out tonight and sharing your story. I'm gonna open up the floor to anyone who would like to um, ask any more questions or express any more thoughts. Have at it, everyone. Hi. Um... Avery, if you're talking, we can't hear you. Okay, how about now? Can you hear that? Very, very faint. I don't know what's wrong with my phone here. Um, okay, we can hear you now. Okay. Or not. Sorry, Avery, we can't hear you. Avery, how about we come back to you? Sounds good. Okay. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Robin. Um, I was just curious um, if Beto and his uh, cohorts in Memphis, um, do you have legal representation or how are you really fighting this battle? Uh, right now, we are we have a lawyer that is through Starbucks Workers United that has been helping us with all of these ULPs. Um, it's been tremendous help 
from him especially because of the, the experience that he has and he's even been able to help us uh, see how many more unfair labor practices that the company has been using against us. I mean, be- besides all of our firings at this point, you know, we have many of the ones from the COVID mishandling, the uh, health code, the safety. Um, there was even one specifically. Uh, one of the reasons that I was terminated for was uh, unauthorized or misuse of safe codes, you know, like for cash handling. And the funny thing is that uh, we discovered that Starbucks was breaking their own policy and how they handled the safe codes. And at that point, it was putting me in jeopardy and me to sub- subjecting me to uh, liability that I wasn't even trained for or neither was the rest of our shift supervisors trained for. They tried to put this liability on us as if we had signed things saying that, oh, we understand the nature of this and the liability that's behind this. And the fact is that we weren't, we weren't trained, we weren't prepared for any of this. So anything that they have been trying to use against us, Michael has been helping us a lot with all of these ULPs and our affidavits for this hearing. And thankfully, uh, he's been tremendous help. I'm going to try to talk again. Can you hear me now? Yeah, go ahead. And then um, after you will be Matt. Okay. Just wanted to let you all know, especially you in Memphis, that a few years ago, when the fight for 15 came to San Diego, organizing McDonald's, there was a man fired because he was the one worker at the store who joined the fight for 15. His name was Leobardo Mesa. He'd been working at this McDonald's for several years. They made a phony excuse for firing him. But it was right next to City College. And me and some of the other people on this call, like Jim and Bob, were part of protests that got a lot of students to picket the McDonald's and even go inside the store and chant and threaten to boycott. And if the students had boycotted that McDonald's, it probably would have gone out of business. And we even marched, we found out where the owner lived and we marched on his house. And I think it didn't work because he was the only worker in that store. But I felt like we had some pressure that we could build. And I just think maybe in a store where you have so much more strength, you know, something like that might be more effective. But of course, it's your situation. I, I just wanted to, I just thought that might be relevant. Oh, no, definitely. And uh, when we were fired, immediately the day after is when we started protesting outside of our store. And at first, it was pretty much just the seven of us uh, and maybe a couple others. And we were able to successfully have the store shut down halfway through the day. And it just goes to show the power of numbers. You know, that's what I try to do. Uh, I was flown over to Seattle for their rally. Uh, a couple days ago. And that was one of the important things that I was starting to see is that the power of numbers. Uh, Many times we forget that there's always going to be more of us and there will be of corporate suits out there and they can't send corporate to as many stores. I mean, there's over a hundred stores right now. They're they're struggling right now. They're desperate. I mean, our firing was probably, probably one of the most blatant and sloppiest decisions on Starbucks's behalf. And it just goes to show how powerful we can be with numbers. And that's probably what's been one of the, I guess what's been one of the funniest things. Uh, Starbucks uh, has been rehiring or not rehiring. Sorry. uh, That's not the right word. They've been hiring other 
people in our places since then. And the funny thing is that those uh, new employees are all pro-union, all um, for the same cause. And it's just been backfiring in Starbucks's uh, face. And it's something that's gone to show that, you know, with the power of seven, with the power of 15 people, we were able to make very big movements. And I'm just now picturing what we can do with many more baristas across the country. Matt, go ahead. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to say uh, uh, first, thank you for your efforts. It is inspiring um, and it's important that you show people that they can unionize, um, especially in a, a business as widely known as Starbucks. Um, and I also wanted to ask, now, other than awareness, what can we do to show solidarity with your movement? I can answer that too. Um, we have been, uh, I'm actually gonna drop it in the chat because a lot of people have asked us that same question. Um, and so I just dropped it. We've made a kind of a toolkit for community support and solidarity across the country. Um, I mean, one of the main things is supporting baristas in your area who are unionizing by going in and like leaving tips and notes and just knowing that the community has your back. Um, you know, condemning Starbucks for their union busting, whether that be on social media or um, introducing like city council resolution, which they did in um, Seattle, the home of Starbucks. Um, you know, having local unions uh, write resolutions to support the effort and condemn Starbucks as well. Um, you know, if you do have local Starbucks stores in your area that, you know, you know, the baristas or anything or you can go in and we haven't been suggesting that people drop any literature just because they are launching such an aggressive anti-union campaign where we found that we've had people kind of go in and, and drop things before and then kind of the company starts their union busting before people really have a chance to get organized and are kind of fighting an uphill battle from the start. But, you know, if you if you are able to talk to a barista who sounds interested and, you know, um, just having them come our way through the SB Workers United email, um, that's super helpful as well, just to get people connected to us so we can have a partner hop on a call with them and kind of explain the organizing process and get them hooked up with all the resources that we can provide for them. So that's another way to help. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that covers it, but the, the solidarity toolkit is, is something that, you know, share with members or people that are interested in just getting the word out about what's going on. Um, all of that is really incredibly helpful. Um, so thank you for asking that question. Yeah. Thank you so much. The link didn't come through in my chat. Can you drop that again? I know sometimes with dropping the attachments, depending on like what um, version of Zoom you have, sometimes it doesn't go through. I dropped it again, but I can um, email it to someone as well after this and they want to send it out to everybody. I have it downloaded and I can email it out. Thank you. Sure, thank you. So um, we have a question from Jim. Yeah, good evening. I just want to start out by thanking all three of you. 
Um, that was an amazing, amazing um, presentation. All three of you are excellent speakers. And um, you would easily recruit me if I was working at Starbucks. Um, so I have one, one really practical question for all three of you. I have a, uh, <clears throat> some time in as a organizer, past and present myself. Uh, any of or all of three of you, what's your what's your go to argument with your fellow with your fellow workers when you're trying to win them onto the union message when there's so much you know anti union propaganda out there and just you know on a larger level just propaganda against um, you know the you know the individualism that that's so uh, overwhelming in this country just propaganda against anything collective right. Um, and then my second question is, I'm just wondering if, you're, uh, if your group is going to be represented or planning on going to uh, labor notes in uh, Chicago in, in June, um, just because it's like, I think you would blow them away. Um, so yeah, thank you again so much. Oh, thank you for the question. Uh, definitely for your first question. Uh, this was something uh, firsthand that I was able to do at the Pike Place store and I, I, a couple other stores over there in Seattle. One of the important things that I learned, uh, not only while being a union leader, but also being a shift supervisor, is being able to help lead with the people. Many times these baristas have been, you know, having someone barking commands at them and leading them from the top. But I, the first thing I try to make sure to do is that I'm level headed with them. You know, I tell them that, hey, look, I exactly where you are in this store, whatever you're doing, whether it's on drive, on ovens, on support, on bar, I've endured the same things as you and these things that, you know, that you're struggling with, the same things that, that you're dealing with right now are things that I'm fighting for, that we're all fighting for, and that we want you to be able to benefit from. Uh, I try to talk to them in a way that they can understand that this is something that's not just uh, a me thing because that's one of the biggest things that I sometimes get from either lukewarm partners or from other people that are decide to be negative about it. The first things they try to shout at me are, you know, just go get a different job or this. It's never been about that. I could have gotten a different job many other times, many other opportunities. But the point that's not the point here. The point is that this is something that's bigger than myself. It's something that's affecting not only baristas all over across the country, but it's affecting, uh, I guess, workers, plain and simple, uh, the whole class of it. Starbucks itself is, I would say, a field that's ripe for unionization because the Starbucks uh, grasp is very far. I mean, besides the retail area of our stores, there's the roasteries, you know, we've so far had two out of the three U.S. roasteries, uh, Seattle and Chicago. Uh, sorry, no, it's uh, Seattle and New York uh, filing for unionization as well. And all we need left is Chicago. There's the roasteries, there's the coffee farmers, there's the manufacturing aspect, there's the supply chain aspect. All of those workers underneath this company are going underneath the same scrutiny that we all have been and every single wherever I'm going to talk to them any store that I'm at or any barista I talk to them barista to barista letting them know hey you know this is this is never an easy thing but what you're doing I'm supporting you here 
uh, all these things that you're going through, which whether it's, you know, the heavy plays with low coverage, whether it's the bad scheduling, whether it's the unsafe working conditions, I've been exactly where you are and I am here to fight for you and you are more than welcome to join me if you have the strength to do so. I try to my best to, I guess, help them encourage them that they don't have to be alone. That's the important part about this is the numbers. You know, the more you show how many people are behind you, the more empowered you feel. That's what helped me a lot through all this process, knowing that I have this Fortune 500 company that's scared of the influence that we're all making. It, it, it doesn't scare me. If anything, they messed with a very stubborn store because our store has had some of the most outspoken people throughout this whole process. And what definitely helped me through this was knowing the amount of people that were behind my back and supporting me. And that's something that I make well clear to all the stores and baristas that I talk to. Uh, and as uh, for your second question for the Chicago labor notes, um, I don't think uh, we've been invited to personally, but I, the Chicago is like my second home and I definitely would love to get any details on that if you have any so i can def I, will, I will definitely be able to uh send that to the rest of the uh, memphis and see if we can get anyone to go up there and uh i think for me when i'm talking to other baristas who are wanting to unionize or trying to uh, take those steps but if they feel scared I always like to ask them like reflective questions not want any questions that they necessarily have to like answer me back but it's like asking questions like do you feel like supported uh, by the corporation itself not necessarily like your baristas or your shift supervisors like do you feel like the people at corporate are taking care of you. Like, yes, you have, you have health insurance, you have free Spotify. You might even be using the, um, um, the free tuition through Arizona state university, but it's like, do you feel like this company actually take cares of you? Or if it's, um, like, do you ever feel like overworked or have you felt like how many, or how many times have you gone home after a shift and just cried just because it was so bad? Like, do you feel like this is actually a, a job that you want to continue? Or how many times have you asked your, or have you told yourself, like, this is my last time. Let's like, that's it. I'm going to quit. Um, basically just like saying, if you haven't felt supported, then this, then like this union, a unionization step might be for you and your store. Yeah. Um, I think my pitch, I guess, in a way has been when talking to people, like ultimately we're doing this because, um, you know, we're fighting for a seat at the table in a democratic workplace and this is a multi-billion dollar company that made um, record-breaking profits throughout a global pandemic while we were called essential workers. Um, you know, we weren't given the working conditions, the pay, the dignity, the respect that we deserve. 
for being called essential workers. And ultimately we're doing this because a lot of us believe in this company and wanna make Starbucks you know, a better company and a better place to work for not only ourselves and our coworkers, um, but people who come after us too, you know, being a barista, I think it's a misconception that, you know, it's just for students. I have coworkers who have worked for Starbucks for a whole decade of their lives or more and are and love what they do and are really trying to make it a better company. And, you know, they're paid less than a dollar than someone who starts today. So it's just unacceptable, um, you know, what this company has done and the values that they say they have as a progressive company. Um, and ultimately, you know, we're going to fight for everything from credit card tipping to seniority pay to um, health and safety at work. And we can all we can do all of this um, with a union because we're standing together um, and we're going to have the ability to collectively bargain. So that's my pitch. Beautifully said. Thank you. Um, Tanya, did you still have something to ask? Yeah. Um... Maybe not a question, but just a comment. Um, my name is Tonya, and I'm a rideshare driver here in San Diego with the Rideshare Drivers United. And uh, yeah, I want to say what everybody has been saying that I'm really grateful to be here and listen to this. It's inspiring. And we do know, I mean, we share <laughs> uh, an uphill battle, as you probably all know, with the Proposition 22, where Uber and Lyft basically took $200 of our hard-earned money and used it against us to make laws that basically gave us way less rights than we than we had before under the ABPI. But I think what Beto said really resonates with me because he said the fight is bigger than me. And this is this is what we feel as well that these types of companies that are displaying a public image as, as their workers, as partners, they turn around and treat us as employees, but don't give us any of the benefits that come under that um, category. And I think it's dangerous. It's spreading to all kinds of other jobs and leaving us with very little because, I mean, the only thing that really resonates with drivers is when I manage to talk to them and say, listen, where would Uber and Lyft be without you, without your car, without your gas, without your maintenance? There would be no Uber and Lyft. So just like Beto again said, and also Casey, like if we, if we stand together and realize that we really hold a power, power here, we can make some really big changes. And I think one of the things that I think Beto again um, mentioned was that you you're talking to your customers and this is something we are also doing because the customers they they liked they, they want to take their rides they like taking their rides they usually like their drivers unless they're too belligerent <laughs> they don't like anybody but basically they want to make sure that the money that they're paying a fair share of that money goes to the driver so i think informing the uh, customers I think it's a crucial part to getting the truth out there. And that is another point that we we absolutely have the truth on our side because I don't believe in a lot of objective truths in the world, but I believe that when you work, you should not work for free 
especially if others are making a lot of money on your on your time. So the fact that we are making too little money and giving too little uh, a portion of what's coming into this company is an objective truth. And one of the things that has really helped us is having, again, like uh, you guys mentioned, having an organizing committee that is really strong. It's really about the personal relationships that we're building together. And also for us, it's to have a tool. So we are very lucky to have a big tool, um, an app that connects us where we can reach our, our members who are now 20,000 in California and make sure that we stay strong by uh, communicating that way. But again, I, I just want to say thank you for, for letting me come today and keep, the, keep up the work. Don't give up. Thank you so much. Um, Robin? Thank you. Um, I think I will direct this to Lakota, who was the prior speaker. Um, you were speaking about going home, you know, just being just stressed out and the long days and um, the psychology of dealing with the different things that go on in the workplace and just being drained and upset many times. And my question um, to you and to um, Casey and Battle as well, but um, directly to you because you brought it up, was that, do you think the, the, the heaviness of your stress comes from the customers that are coming in and giving you all a hard time throughout the day? Or is it the corporate side or is it both? Like what is contributing to that? Cause we're all customers there. So I'm just curious, like, where do you think the stressors are coming from? I definitely would say it's mostly from corporate because I'm also seeing how uh, this company is treating like not just me, but like my other baristas, like in like our store. Um, just I was hearing about um, there was um, or not even just corporate, but like also um, bad managers because there was a an instance where uh, one of our partners, who is actually on our um, committee, uh, she was out for COVID and didn't receive the COVID pay that she was supposed to get. And seeing how she's treated that way still makes me angry and upset. And I've been told, or like, I'll have a day where, you know, sometimes, you know, we have bad customers. That's just a given. Uh, I don't, let the customers really get to me that much but just seeing how this company treats its employees and then even as like a directly to myself uh I've, I'll see things in our um our weekly update or things that our uh people and higher-ups have posted about in our like our internet on our partner hub uh, talking about their anti-union efforts and how they still don't believe that we need this union and like they don't want a union between them and us when it, there's there's no one in between I it's an in I feel like it's where I'm sorry I don't know I'm I don't know how to phrase this but Kind of just like if you go to a dog park and 
you'll uh you might see just like someone else's uh I don't know maybe like they get or someone's dog like does a poo and like they just don't pick it up I'm like uh why would that's not how you would want to really do that if you're out in the public where they just really treat us and I guess just bad and that's how I would like sum it up uh yeah um I can definitely uh agree with that it's uh, it's the what goes on with customers is honestly sometimes a given in the work and it's nothing that's too much for us to handle uh it's definitely the managerial side of things that hurts us the most it's one thing where starbucks you know either removes our benefits or you know d- does things that you know they say that they'll do uh, for instance our pay increase or the level pay between baristas to be $15 i mean at this point they've been just waving it in our face as if it's like a carrot on a stick, you know, telling us, Oh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll release it soon. Or it's, this is coming soon. And this, and it still hasn't come to fruition as far as I'm aware. It's that it's the way the managers talk and treat them. And these are the people that you're seeing every day. I mean, at this point at our store, you know, we've had multiple incidents where either I'm seeing one of my uh, baristas being threatened to be stabbed right in front of me by uh, some homeless man that walked into our store. We, our store gets broken into, I pull up to 4.30 in the morning and there's broken glass and the lights are on. It's things like that where I have to manage between the safety of my own workers, the safety of myself and being able to take care of customers all at the same time that the managers at this point really don't care about. They they see all these things that happen at our store. They see what's been going on. They see the issues that we've been dealing with. They see the little coverage we've had, the poor scheduling. It, it's come to the point that sometimes, sometimes when I'm running the espresso bar while I'm at the front, you know, I, I, I keep it clear with customers. I tell them, look, um, this drink that you ordered, you know, it's not available. We haven't had it available in our inventory. Unfortunately, the corporate side of our company doesn't like to respect the customer's time or money. And unfortunately, Starbucks loves to, I guess, send that blame to their local store or their baristas. And I, that's something that I try to avoid doing. I don't, I, I keep it clear with the people that I talk to, including customers, letting them know all these things that management's doing that's not only affecting us, but at the end, it's affecting the customers as well. In the end, uh, corporate cares more about their profit margin that they do about us but they're forgetting the main reason why they're having those profits is because of us it's because of the customers that want to keep going there and i try my best to keep a good experience between us but corporate is i guess more worried about what goes into their wallets than whether their customers enjoy the experience or not that's probably why they decided to become so much more aggressive towards our memphis stores when we started to protest outside our store during their peak hours as a shift supervisor, I know exactly what metrics they need to reach uh, to reach profits every single day. And we've been uh, hemorrhaging them so far. We've been getting to all these customers. We've been telling them exactly what's going on and they're not coming to the store anymore. And you know what? That's the one thing that you can't do to hurt companies. It's hurting their wallets. And that's what's been, I guess, having them be more aggressive towards us. Uh, but definitely, if anything, the customers have been helping us 
through this a lot more than corporate has. And I honestly feel that most of these customers care about us more than corporate ever has. That's what I wanted to know. Thank you. <laughs> That's very no worries. Thank you. It's very heartening to hear. Um, and I'm happy to hear that your customers are supporting you um, in the day to day. Um, I want to thank all of our Starbucks crew that came out tonight. Casey just jumped off because um, she has to open tomorrow. And we know that you're a little bit ahead of um, the um, time zones than we are here in San Diego. So again, thank you so much for coming out and sharing your story. We have enjoyed um, everything that you have shared. Um, appreciate all of the work that you have put in. And um, we will be sharing out the information about your um, GoFundMe and the um, toolkit that was dropped earlier in the chat. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. It's been an honor. Of course. And you are welcome back anytime. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us.